Welcome to the DMSG Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Hadley, founder and CEO of the Denver Medical Study Group. We're based in Colorado, where we're going into our 15th year with over 1,350 members in 29 states. Our educational events include DMSG webinars, podcasts, and in-person events. Uh, Today, I'm excited to visit with Claire Ernst, JD, Director of Government Affairs of the Medical Group Management Association. Claire, would you tell our listeners a little about yourself and your background? Thanks, Chris, and thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here virtually and talk a little bit about MGMA's Government Affairs Department. So I'm from the D.C. area, uh, but on the Maryland side. And I guess a fun fact is that my parents run a medical group, all long-term behavioral health. So I grew up pretty immersed in that environment. Um, So I found it was sort of uh, poetic that I ended up at MGMA representing medical groups. But I went to law school in Boston. I wanted to focus on healthcare because I grew up with it all around me. And uh, when I moved back to D.C., I started lobbying for medical surgical distributors, which I found super fascinating, especially it was before the COVID pandemic, but it really highlighted how diverse the healthcare ecosystem is and how everything fits together or doesn't fit together. And so I loved it, but I wanted to focus more on representing practices like my parents. And almost five years ago, I came to MGMA and that's where I am. Fantastic. Well, I understand the healthcare family background. I I grew up in some of that as well. It's hard to get away from it, isn't it? (laughs) It's hard, especially around holidays. You know, you're writing comments and then you go home and you talk about it with with your parents. You get it from all (laughs) all angles. (laughs) Well, would you, uh, Claire, would you tell us uh, about the work that MGMA does on behalf of the medical groups while you're there in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, sure. So I think our work is uh, twofold, at least. So I think we play a lot of offense and defense. Um, And I would also describe it as sort of this loop, like a feedback loop. So we hear things from our members uh, that, you know, concerns, challenges, obstacles, say like prior authorization is a good example. We take that to policymakers, both in Congress on the Hill and in the administration. We explain things to them. Our currency and our and our value is really the contact, the close contact that we have with our members. We're like that conduit uh, to policymakers. And then when policymakers make policies and say they're not so great, maybe some of them are, maybe some of them are not. Um, then we, you know, we give our feedback based off of what our members say. But we also educate members because you know whether we like it or not. If some of these things are getting pushed through, you need to know what they are so you can comply. So we do a lot of education, um, a lot of resources and uh, for our members. And we do that on the flip side with uh, members of Congress and CMS officials. Would you uh, explain a little bit about MGMA's advocacy process? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really in line with what I was mentioning before about this feedback loop. So we take feedback and insight from members. So that's going to be, you know, we get calls from members. We have online communities. We do webinars. um, We have, you know, other associations, other specialties, because MGMA represents pretty much all specialties. So we have contacts and colleagues within all, all these other physician groups that also reach out to us that let us know what's going on with their specific um, constituents. 
And then we use those partners to really, um, you know, influence what's going on. So we also leverage uh, the trade publications. So all these trade publications that write about these fun, wonky subjects, uh, we talk to them, we offer ourselves as a resource so that they really understand what our members are going through. Um, and then we, you know, we try to put that into action when it comes to um, the policies themselves. So for instance, right now, we are working our way through this 2000 page uh, CMS rule that sets the stage for the physician fee schedule reimbursements and policies for 2024. So we are working on that letter, which we will share with uh, the CM with CMS and we will share it with our members, we'll share it with the press so everyone knows where we are on it. Um, so it's a really, we try to hit all different sides. How, how good are you? I think we're pretty good. <laughs> I think we punch above our weight a lot of the time. Uh, MGMA, unlike some of the other special physician specialties doesn't have a political action committee. They don't have a pack. And so I always say like, we, we earn our lobbying stripes the hard way by like knocking on doors, um, now virtual doors, <laughs> email. But um, I think we're pretty successful at it. I think we are able to leverage our membership and their voices and then give them a voice amongst these policymakers, um, which I really value. And obviously I have a personal connection to it. And so I feel very strongly about giving members that platform. Um, so yeah, I think we do a good job. I do too, uh, but I had to ask you. <laughs> okay, no, that's, that's fair, that's fair. What are some of the, the top issues that MGMA is focused on right now? Sure. So a lot of these issues are evergreen, uh, for better or for worse. So we're still dealing with, um, for instance, prior authorization. So utilization management, um, step therapy, that's something that we've heard from members is getting progressively worse and more um, problematic across the board. Uh, definitely in the commercial space. So despite the fact that we're hearing from certain uh, insurers that they are getting rid of prior authorization or limiting their prior authorizations, you might've seen that from United Healthcare or Cigna, um, you know, we're trying to look, parse through the list and it doesn't seem like it's gonna make that big of an impact across the board. Uh, so that's a big one that we're always dealing with. Um, Federal payment issues in general. We focus primarily on Medicare payment uh, at, in MGMA. And so we're dealing with these annual reimbursement cuts that are across the board cuts. So this is the, we've been doing this for a few years now, and it's very reminiscent for those who are familiar with SGR. It was repealed um, and MACRA replaced it. And unfortunately, we're running into this sort of SGR-esque type of situation um, at the end of each year now. So we are trying to work with Congress on some solutions to mitigate those potential cuts. Um, I think, you know, in general, value-based care is something we've really tried to champion over the years and steer the administration in a direction where practices can really uptake um, these arrangements without a lot of uh, upfront risk to them. And so we're working on that. Telehealth is a fun one. Everyone wants to do telehealth now. I thought telehealth was really cool before the pandemic, but um, now it's, you know, it's become such a buzzword. And so trying to maintain the type of coverage 
and flexibility that we could and that we were allowed during the pandemic is a priority. Um, and I think just like overall workforce issues too. And, uh, you know, we're looking at some significant shortages in physicians in the next 10, 20 years. Um, I know that MGMA has done a lot of work on the workforce in general with APPs as well. So it's not just government affairs. It's definitely a more, it's a broader um, enterprise issue. So those are a couple of things. Um, it definitely keeps, keeps things interesting for us. I'm sure it does. As you talk about the workforce, uh, I wonder, uh, is the problem more with the workforce shortage with nurses or with physicians, or is it burnout with physicians, but not workforce shortage? What What are you seeing? It's a good question. I think it's all the above. You know, I think in the past, so the graduate medical education slots that help fund residency programs, those were paused for 20 years. And in recent years, they've added more slots. Um, but that, for instance, is a big, that's a big issue um, on the physician side. And then, you know, we have like the pandemic kind of <laughs> has clearly wrecked havoc on many things. And one of which I think is morale of um, APPs and physicians. Um, I have personal friends that are physicians and they are, one of them came to me the other day and was like, help me find a new job outside of my practicing medicine. And I was like, well, if you're frustrated by, you know, the system as a provider, as a physician, you're probably not going to be less frustrated as a lobbyist um, <laughs> because it is, it can be, not a lot can change despite your efforts. So I think we're seeing, I think you're like, you're, we've identified burnout correctly. Um, we have some data at MGMA to support that, uh, like early retirements. Um, and, you know, just like across the board, I think it's just been, um, we're still seeing some fallout from the pandemic and just sort of this malaise in general. You know, I saw, uh, I was talking to a physician the other day that uh, he works for a health system that has uh, uh, merged with or separated from one of their uh, health systems and joined another. And I said, which one are you in? And mm -hmm. he said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because so mergers and, and acquisitions yeah. are, are an issue also for uh, the burnout for physicians, I would think. I would say so. And something that we've brought to policymakers' attention in the past is, you know, with the, like one of the issues that I highlighted with prior authorization, right? Like that speaks to a larger issue of administrative burden. And if you have um, physicians, nurses spending most of their time or a lot of their significant amount of their time on paperwork um, and navigating all these really comp. I mean, I spend my whole life navigating these complex systems and I don't have, <laughs> I'm not a physician, but I don't know how anyone keeps track of it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that um, when you have a system or hospital come to you and you say, I'm going to take that burden off of you, um, that can be, you know, a real relief. Um, so that's a generalization, but like you alluded to, I mean, I do think that um, it's, it does speak to the larger trend of just administrative burden, unfortunately, um, driving physicians out of practice. You know, uh, what's on the immediate horizon for you and your team? 
Well, I did mention the 2000 page rule. So that's sort of taking over my life. So I appreciate this podcast and giving me a break from reading. Um, so because that is sort of the physician fee schedule, it's an annual fee, it's an annual schedule. Um, it It's sort of our Super Bowl. Whenever it comes out, it's all hands on deck until we get the comments in. And those are due in about two weeks. Um, so we've been focusing on that. The final fee schedule will come out November 1st. So we'll know November 1st what the policies are for the following year, uh, including the conversion factor and subsequent reimbursement rates. So that's one of our main focuses. Um, you know, there's a couple of other things that we're focusing on surprise billing, which doesn't affect all of our members, but it's something that is definitely important. There's court cases being decided uh, about that that are going to change the landscape of how arbitration's working. There's a rule right now under a review at the White House that would um, put forth essentially new guidelines for that process. So that's something we're looking out for. Um, you know, we we don't do so so much with Medicare Advantage, but there's a lot of Medicare Advantage things that are starting to you know in, in um, preparation for next year, uh, those are sort of bubbling up. So we, we definitely have a lot to keep us busy. Plus the end of the year rush for Congress once they get back from August recess. Yeah, there's a lot of focus on next year already, isn't there? I think so. And like how that's relevant to our work is that in an election year, things seemingly slow down quite a lot because, you know, the members of Congress are busy trying to continue to be members of Congress the following, you know, cycle. So um, in terms of how that affects like medical groups, it's just, you know, it's, there's almost a mad dash to get some of this policy stuff done before, you know, they really hit their stride with, um, with uh, campaigning. You know, um, how can our listeners get involved in uh, advocacy efforts? Sure. So there's a bunch of ways. Um, you know, I think just being informed is the first, like, and I think that's just great, especially if you're running a practice, if you're involved in healthcare in any way. We have um, a free, you, don't have, you do not have to be an MGMA member or a national member. We have a newsletter that goes out weekly. And so that's something I, um, <laughs> I'll shamelessly plug just because it's kind of what do you need to know this week very short articles I think almost listicle um you know I think we have a on our website we have a get involved uh tab that talks about it has like our position papers so you know where MGMA is advocating for and you can use those when you talk to your own congressional members if you like we have a portal where you can send template letters that we've already drafted and so you just click them, send them. And the thing that I like to talk about or just touch upon is that when you send these form letters, it feels probably to you like it's not a big deal, like it's a drop in the bucket. You're like, whatever, I'm going to get this canned response from this, my congressman. We can see them on the back end and see who sent in letters. And then that gives me the leverage to go to that particular member of Congress and say, hey, you have constituents that really are suffering from prior authorization requirements. So even if it feels like you're not making a difference, it is very helpful for our advocacy efforts. Well, that's good to know of these hand letters. <laughs> and 
wonder what happens. Yeah. But that's good to know. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. This in talking about your uh, your newsletter, your weekly newsletter, is that uh, through the MGMA's general website? Is that where you're on, or is it a separate website? Yep. So you can sign up for the newsletter, and then it comes straight to your inbox. So you can go to the, the advocacy tab um, at mgma.org, and uh, there's a little, a quick little temp thing you sign, like fill out. It has your name and address, and, and yeah. that's good. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. I more, like the more the merrier. Yeah, yeah, I like brief explanations. <laughs> Me too. I think it's Shakespeare, right? That says brevity is the soul of wit, and I've really been trying to embody that lately. <laughs> so I, I appreciate brevity. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, Claire, it's a treat to get to visit with you. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to today's discussion? I don't think so. I mean, I think we touched on a lot. So thanks for all the great questions. Um, you know, I think just reiterating that getting involved in advocacy, even if it takes two minutes and it's sending a letter is um, helpful and it, it, it does make a difference. And, you know, I just... I think that, you know, just keeping an eye on everything that's happening, the landscape is always shifting. It's very, I, I like to nerd out over it. It's fascinating. Um, but, you know, we definitely appreciate everything that that your members do. And um, anyone who, you know, if you ever have uh, stories that you want to share that touch on any of the things that I mentioned, those issues that we cover, feel free to reach out. Um, like I said, our knowledge is our currency on the Hill. And so um, to the extent that you can explain any problems or challenges, that really helps us. That sounds good. Well, we're excited to uh, work with you and, and MGMA. MGMA, by the way, is one of our platinum sponsors for the Denver Medical Study Group. So uh, uh, we follow them for a long time and uh, we're looking forward to continuing to do so. Great. Thank you so much, Claire. It's a treat, and I look forward to doing it again with you. Thanks so much, Chris.